0: thank you that uh, you're stuck with us and when you look at us you call each one of us by name you look across this room right now and you call every one of us you say I see you and I know you I'm not a little God I'm not a religious figure 2000 years ago I'm the living God I'm the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and I so loved you that I sent my son and my son so loved you that he came that you might know life you argue with me a lot and you tell me that you're disappointed in me and I come to you this morning and I say I love you but I am your God I love you I call you to follow me I love you and I know your sin and I've taken your sin on the cross I love you and I, come, I, I invite you to draw close to that cross and find forgiveness I see you and I know you I see your thoughts and I know your heart. I know your struggles and I know your hopes and dreams. I know the things that have been shattered. But I'm a God who heals. I'm a God who picks up brokenness. But I can only pick up what is yielded to me and I can only heal that which is given to me. And I will not force my way into your heart. So I invite you to come. And I will open up my word to you this morning and I will give you a place to come. May the Spirit of God bear witness to his presence here in Jesus. Amen. God is desperately, desperately, not panicking, desperately in love with you and me. He is a great God and He's a powerful God. And the one who called Nathaniel, and the one who said, I knew you, is the one who is present with us. And what we're thinking about and what we were thinking about last week and what we're continuing to think about is, how do we enter into a vibrant Christian life, a vibrant life? Forget about the Christian because you can't have life without Jesus. How do you enter into a vibrant life where actually when people meet you, they walk away and say, that was cool to be in their presence? I mean, when I'm in their presence, I see God, I feel God, I, I, I'm drawn to God because they radiate God. Not because they're perfect, but because they know who they are. They know that they are not God, and they make that very clear. But there's something about them that accepts me and loves me, and it's, there's something about them that accepts and loves themselves. And they have hope. And you should see their circumstances. If I was in their shoes, I wouldn't have hope. But they have met with this living God, and they say He has changed their lives. How do we be people like that? And what we're doing is we're speaking about how Joshua led and God led the people out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land and seeing that as a template for how God leads us out of slavery into the promised land, which is his promise for your life and my life. One of the greatest problems in our spiritual life and growth is that we keep it all in our heads and we try and privately work out this all and it doesn't work all we do is create huge conflict within ourselves anger and hypocrisy so we're talking about how to follow God into the freedom and purposes he has for us and we're talking about how to do that so that it's fun and it's enjoyable and it's full of passion and life But there's one secret, you will never have passion and life and fun with Jesus if you hold on to pride and self-preservation and your own agenda. It just doesn't go together. So, the sooner that gets smashed, the better. There is liberation in being a sinner and owning up to it. And for God's sake, we need to do that, because we are. Right? That's good news. We are as sinners who have actually had our sin dealt with on the cross, and we have something to celebrate. But the church is so full of people who are are scared of sin. Grief, it's our natural environment, isn't it? So it's about learning how to be free from that. Sin is our slavery. Sin is our Egypt. We spoke last week about how God came to the people in Egypt who were slaves under Pharaoh and he called them through the blood of the Lamb, the Passover Lamb, he called them to begin to walk into freedom. And I say this so many times but it's so deeply embedded in me right now which is those people where the, the Passover Lamb in Egypt flew over them and the door frames were covered in the blood of the Lamb and they walked into that house and the blood of the Lamb saved them from death. The next morning they were in the same environment, in the same place, in the same family, with the same dog barking, with the same meal or not. And God said to them, you are free. And they said, nothing around me feels free. Nothing looks free. And you look the same and I look the same. Nothing looks free. And he says, well, you know, it's like when you're pregnant, I guess. You've got to grow into it. I have conceived freedom in you by the Spirit and by the blood of the Lamb. And brothers, I tell you, you've got to walk out in freedom now.
1: I have a dream
0: that the people here will be free one day. Amen, brother, sister. I see that hand. That's the gospel, isn't it? If this is freedom, who wants it? That's what people say. That's why they don't come to church. You're free? I don't want it. I'm more free. I'm more fun. You know the story. And God led them through the wilderness. He led them through. He provided for them. They grumbled and they moaned all the time, just like we do. God, do this. Thank you so much, Jesus. He did that next week. God, I'm fed up with you. You didn't do this. And life is hard. And we rub the Bible like a little genie. You know, Jesus, Jesus, please. And God led them, and He led them in tents and in tribes. He said, We're going to go on a journey. You need to be flexible, and you also need to be in community. And I keep stressing that too. We need one another. This individualism kills us. We need one another, and we're going to keep on talking about that to get there. And so He leads them through to the Red Sea, through the Red Sea, and uh, to to the borders of the uh, Promised Land. If we look at Numbers 13 quickly, just to show you I'm not making this up. Numbers 13, they end up on the river, the banks of the Jordan. Verse verse 17, Moses sent them to explore Canaan and he said, Go up through the Negev and go on into the hill country. See what the land is like and where the people who live there are strong or weak few or many what kind of land do they live in is it good or bad what kind of towns do they live in are they unwalled or fortified this is the promised land he's talking about do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land so they went up and explored the land they went up through Negev. I won't go through all that and uh, they reached the valley of Eshkol verse 23 they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs And the place was called the Valley of Eshkol, and they came back, and they came back to Moses, and they reported on what they saw. Verse 28, I think. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does indeed flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. What God has promised, we went in and explored, and what he said was true. It's lots of fruit, it's it's, it's fertile, there's lots there that's very attractive, and then they go, but... The people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Malachites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people. In the name of God, shut up. It's not in there, but you read between the lines, you can get there. And before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him, these are the other leaders, said, Oh, we can't attack those people, they are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Sounds like the church, doesn't it? They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. This is all in their heads. This is all the stuff that goes on in their heads as they individually think about their fear. All the people we see they are of great size, we saw the Nephilim and there the descendants of Anna came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. In other words, our self esteem was down the tubes. And our confidence and our hope in this God who set us free from slavery was somewhere else. Sound familiar? So we go back to Joshua, 40 years later. Because what does God say? He says, well, okay, you guys who want to go in, you go in. You guys who don't want to go in, you don't go in. No, he says, you all go or you all stay. I find it amazing that Joshua wandered around with these guys for, and Caleb for 40 years, knowing they hadn't got it. I've got to sit in this desert with you. We could be there. That's love. That's obedience. That's humility. So they're back on the Jordan. Moses is dead. The generation who had come out of slavery, the parents, as it were, were also dead. Because God said, there's no way I can lead these people into this place with that attitude. And that was a grievous thing for him, not a pleasant thing. Because imagine, I I set you free to enter into this And you won't do it. Uh, We really need to hear this. That God is continually getting us to stand at our lives and look ahead and say, this is what I have for you, this is my future. That's what we're talking about this morning. What do we step into or what do we stay stuck stuck in? It's not about whether you're Christian or not or believe in God or not. You can be stuck in Egypt and be Christian. You can be in the wilderness and be Christian. You can be in the promised land and be Christian. Or you can just be wandering around. But there's various degrees of saltiness and attractiveness in those lifestyles. So they're standing on the banks of the Jordan again. And the promised land still lies ahead. And they look out over it and they see deck chairs and umbrellas and angels, a red carpet. Welcome to the promised land. Of course they don't. That's the fantasy. That's the fantasy of God's going to make my life all perfect and make it easy for me to go everywhere and not make any demands upon me. Because he knows that I get scared and weak and I'm nervous of water and I don't like this and I don't like that. And therefore God would never ask me to do that, right?
1: What? no <laughs> it's
0: wrong it's not about you and me at that point it's a bigger picture it's about inheriting a land if you actually go to Exodus 23 he says something about that land as well and every time I mention land just think of life just think of your life Exodus 23, he's talking about what he's going to give them. He says in verse 25 of chapter 23, Worship the Lord your God, and his blessings will be on your food and water, and I'll take away sickness from among you. None will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. That's just worship me, honor me. Not because I have an ego issue, it's good for you. And I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites and Hittites. But I will not drive them, this is really important, I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. And that is a metaphor for your life and my life. Little by little, I will work as you grow into being able to take possession of that which I desire for you. And that's why at the beginning of Joshua, he said things like, don't be discouraged. Be strong. Don't be terrified. I will never leave you or forsake you, but I'm leading you into a land. The occupation of the land is not the goal. The possession of the land and the building of your character is what I'm interested in. I don't have those kind of goals. Now I arrive, we can have a holiday. That's never in God's purpose. That's in heaven. The mansion that he's gone to build, that's there. On this earth, it's a journey, which we're invited to. We are on a journey, whether we like it or not. And he's merely saying, are you going to do your own thing, or are you going to do my thing? And so he invites them into the promised land, out of Egypt into freedom. So we have in this picture, Egypt, the wilderness, and the banks of the Jordan, and the promised land. And those are metaphors for our life. What what are those metaphors? What is that about? It says, well, you can live in the past, and you can live under slavery, and you can live as a victim your whole life, and you can blame your circumstances, and you can blame where you're born, and you can blame how hard it is, and you can blame... And Jesus comes to us right now and says, you can live like that or you can come to me and be free. Or if you call yourself a Christian, you can step up and move out and you will move into more freedom. Or you can complain and hide and be afraid for the rest of your life. And cry out to me from Egypt and I love you to bits, but that's where you'll stay. It's entirely your decision. But enough of the whining. And in our culture, we live in the most privileged culture. Enough of the whining. You have to step up and step out. That came out of the week of prayer and fasting. We have to step up and step out and step into what he has. This is actually quite exciting. I mean, I'm really describing to you a trip to the Caribbean. We only don't get the trip when we don't know Jesus. Then it's just I look at the slavery and it looks attractive to me and I look at my life that I've created around my insecurities and my addictions and I go I don't know how to leave you. And we're not we are like those sad anorexics looking in the mirror thinking we're beautiful and we're getting worse and worse. That's our disease. We need the Spirit of God to open our eyes and say, you're settling for this when you're being invited to here. And the reason you're settling for this is it might hurt a little bit along the way. You might have to exercise and change. We are a people invited into an incredible future. Not a North American A million dollars tomorrow and life on the Caribbean. An incredible future of having the Spirit of Jesus alive in us and us being people who see him work through us to bring life to others. And in that we come alive. So the past can be one of slavery, where we're never free, we never venture out, we talk a lot, but we always go, tomorrow, when I've done this, Procrastination is the thief of life. You can tell who's walking in freedom. You can tell who's, beginning, who's on this journey, can't you? Because Jesus said it's easy. Paul said it's easy. You look at the fruit of the Spirit, the presence of Jesus in the life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, sense of vision, sense of hope, sense of vitality. There's no condemnation on any of this to any of us this morning. All it is is invitation. Some stand on the shores of the Jordan or just across it and they are afraid to walk into the next uh, step for them. So what's their language like? Well, I crossed the Jordan on the 14th of March in 1945. I crossed the Jordan. Yeah, I was baptized in the blood of the Lamb and I was crossed the Jordan. And I've been saying that ever since. Oh, how depressing is that? That's all you've done? Your whole testimony about God is crossing the Jordan? He must be thrilled. Well, you don't understand if I meant any further, I'd have to give up some things. He said, yeah, what's wrong with that? You don't give up, you take up. And so there are those who stand there and because of fear they never move it's not difficult to read that is it even we get ex- get bored with our excuses so we end up going i'm busy or i'm private or it's personal or i'll talk to you tomorrow or whatever and the result is a christianity that is stuck and rigid and unattractive to those who don't know Jesus. And they go, why would I ever want to know that kind of person if that's what happens? But all, all I see in churches are people fighting with each other. Why would I want to be there? Well, what I, all I see is people who call themselves Christians and they're so critical. And they're so condemning of everything. Why would I want that? When I see them at work and I know how they behave... You can be stuck at the Jordan or you can be on the journey. The journey is the place where the life is present. You see, when you're stuck on the Jordan, you look in the promised land and you talk about what God has, you always see the two realities. When you're, when you're standing with Jesus and you're looking out over the promised land or over your life and he says, let's go, what do you see? You see promise, you see milk and honey, you see the possibilities of what he has for you and you go, yeah, that sounds nice. And you shrink down the promises of Jesus because it sounds idealistic and it's not real and it's not rational. And you raise up the giants and the giants are despair, fear, material worries Insecurities, all that stuff. We all know the giants. I mean, we have friendly giants all around us, don't we? I mean, we are the fellowship of giants. We worship the giants. We give authority to the giants. The giants possess us, don't they? To our shame. We call it culture, we call it background, we call it all kinds of things. But we have so many friendly giants and Jesus keeps coming up to saying, what on earth are you doing in this company? I've come to set you free. So what do we do? Isn't this fun? Listen to the instructions God gave to Joshua. It's really simple. He said, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Verse 8, he says, Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate it day and night, so you may be, may be careful to do what I command. Know the word of God. Speak the word of God. Share the word of God. Share what God is doing around you. And that will create courage in you to come against what you're going to face. And I will never leave you or forsake you. Which part of this don't you understand? I will never leave you or forsake you. Never. I never leave you or forsake you. If you feel like I have forsaken you, you are the one who moved. And that's the mind trick you have an issue with because I am still here. Open your eyes and you'll see me. How many of you have read The Shack? Put your hands right up. There's no shame in this. Don't worry, there's no embarrassment. Um, how many of you saw uh, the shack advertised on TV or anywhere else? I know, and I haven't even spoken to Gary, that he took the shack on to Arizona and somebody spoke to him in an airplane or something. There was, now, how do I know that? Because somebody who spoke to Gary told them and they told me. So I know what Gary was reading. What's my point? Sit next to the, turn to the person next to you and tell them about how you came to read The Shack or any other book that you've just read. How did you come to read it? I mean, this means talk action conversation. Quickly, talk to the person next to you either about a movie or a book that you've just read and how you came to do it. Okay, that's, a, that's enough of that. How did you come to, to read the book? How did you come to see the movie? I bet you, most of us, somebody told us about it and then we got hold of it. Okay. Talk to the person next to you about how you met Jesus and what he means to you in your life and where you are with him on a scale of 1 to 10. Go ahead. Okay, you can stop there. I just want you to do something right now. I want you to register something. Which is the easiest, to talk about the shack or a movie or to talk about Jesus? It's easier to talk about the shack. Do you understand that when you talk, about, when I say to you, talk about Jesus and share with Him with somebody else on a scale of 1 to 10, what is your relationship with Him? What rises up in you? That is a clash of kingdoms. You gave testimonies to one another about movies and about books that mean nothing. And when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords rises up and says, I want to boast about Jesus, we go, I'm, I'm scared. That is evidence of giants living inside. And you will never, ever take the promised land until those giants are slaughtered. I'm not accusing, I'm just exposing. It's really that simple. If you want to see the church grow, then we better get our act together about stop being embarrassed about Jesus, who is meant to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is meant to have transformed my life. And I'm getting on a real sort of roll here, but aren't you tired of polite, sitting in pews, talking about nothing and walking around insecure, big giants dragging you around and you going, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Dragged backwards and forwards by despair, fear and, and... it's. I want to say crap, but I can't.
1: (laughs) Just so frustrating.
0: Got your attention this morning? I'm going away for a week, so just giving you. What happens? No, really, this is so cool. It is so cool. And it's such garbage that we're imprisoned under. It's such garbage. But I promise you that we we will not get free until we expose it. So, if we want to possess the promised land, walk into the inheritance that is Jesus' life for us. We need to keep company with Jesus. We need to get used to talking about Jesus. We need to get used to, Jesus, you are my friend, you are my Lord, you are my King. And if what rises up in you as I speak like that, you go, oh how boring, then you don't know Jesus. That's not an accusation, that's diagnosis. So do something about it. Will you stop eating candy there? Pass it around or something? <laughs> oh, you're eating them Bob, you're passing them around. Well you see, that's, just, that's what evangelism is. He's eating candy, and the sound of the wrapper gets my attention and says, Can I have some of what you have? That's exactly what evangelism is. Unwrap Jesus. How's that? Unwrap Jesus. Unwrap Jesus. People will hear the sound and say, Can I have some? Sure. I hope they don't get this one. No. <laughs> then nobody else can do this for you. Jesus, God led those people, but they all had to walk. Let's 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 take for ten minutes. That'll be it, if you can stay awake, Julia. <laughs> let's take ten minutes and think about Jesus. What was that? Let's let's think about Jesus. In case we think he doesn't understand, in case we think that our miserable lives are so exceptional that God looks down and I tried this, believe me, for about five years and go, You should feel sorry for me, Lord. Because you know, you know what I've done and you know the scars I've got and you, you should feel sorry for me. Well, he doesn't. He feels sorry that we feel like that and he just goes, shame, come to me when you're ready. Those of us who are sulking in a corner waiting for him to embrace us in our sin, he won't do it. He will embraces us through the cross. And I speak from experience. And I speak to a people who have that experience. Jesus grew up in Nazareth, as you might know. And there came a day after about thirty years, he was a carpenter's son. His father, had prob- Je- jo- Joseph, had probably died by this time. There came a time where Jesus, maybe, let's imagine, he's walking. It's fairly flat around Nazareth. There's some undulating hills, and he maybe be walking there one day or talking to his father. Um, and his father clears his his throat. <coughs> Jesus yes dad it's time to go it's time to leave Nazareth it's time to save the world it's time to embark on the purpose for which you were there for I wonder what went through Jesus the son of man's mind because he was like you and me he had no extra power he had nothing that we don't have access to I wonder what went through his mind. The mission is, I want you to bring a revelation of the love of God as Father, and I want you to show them the tenderness of my heart, and I want you to show them that I'm kind, and that I'm powerful, and that I hear the cries of their heart, and I've also heard the cries for them to be set free from slavery. Jesus looks out over the land. He looks out over the promised land, which his father is saying, we need to take possession of. And he sees a vast array of giants. He, says, he sees religion, flexible, inflexible and very strong in the land. He sees the strong status quo don't rock the boat mentality. He sees a Roman occupying force that is brutal to an extreme. He sees Pharisees who have made an expert, uh, are experts in hypocrisy and religious talk. He sees aspects of loneliness facing him. He sees rejection. He sees, who will believe me? I grew up in Nazareth, I speak with an accent and I don't have an education. He sees intimidation, he sees rejection, he sees possible violent backlash, even death. We don't have any idea how deeply Jesus, the Son of God, has come to terms with what it's like to stand on the banks of the Jordan and look across the promised land and see the giants. If he was standing next to you and me and we pointed out here the giants we saw, he would say, Is that all? There are a lot more than that. Those are just the ones you know about. Let me tell you about a few others. But God sent his son to say, Those giants are nothing where my spirit is present. Because there's also milk and honey. And there's also victory and power beyond your imagination. And so he walks to the Jordan. He walks as a man with no power but obedience. And he walks into the Jordan and John the Baptist, his childhood friend, is there. And John has anointing from the Spirit as well. He says, oh my, that's the Son of God. And Jesus is baptized in the Jordan. He rises up and the Holy Spirit is upon him, not like a bird But the power of God, the same Holy Spirit, by the way, that is present for all of us any time we want it. And Jesus gets out of the Jordan and he walks into the wilderness and for 40 days Satan starts, the giant starts saying, oh, you don't really believe this, do you? And Jesus says, stands on the word of God and under the spirit of God he stares that giant down and satan we read left him for a while and would test him another day we could reread that and said say jesus left him for a while and would break him one day and then his mission is to change the world and how does he do that in a land of giants it is so simple you would miss it It is so simple. The joke in our culture right now is how do we do church planting and grow churches with strategy? It is so simple, it's embarrassing. How do you think he did it? Real cool. He walked around among people, he lived among people, and he said, hi, Leoba.
1: Hi, Doug.
0: He said, hi, 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 hi. And he met people where they were and he saw their pain and he saw the giant's fingerprints on them and he pulled the fingers off them and he said, In the name of God, be healed. The Father loves you. And every person he touched began to follow him because they saw God in a way they'd never seen before coming out of him and they saw the power of God, not just the words. And they said, When you speak, I come alive. When you touched me, I came alive. And the Spirit of God began to set captives free, right in front of giants who were powerless. And out of that very, very simple place, the Roman Empire was crumbled and the world was changed. Because God in His Son walked into the promised land one step at a time and touched one life at a time and said, like we saw, Nathaniel, come and follow me. How do you know me? I've seen you before. Simon, come and follow me. How do you know me? I can see who you're meant to be. You're meant to be Peter, the rock. Every single one of us, Jesus says, come, come closer. You came once or you're keeping your distance. Come. And let me give, me, give you your name and the route that you will walk into the promised land. Do you think you have finished your life? You haven't even begun it. Come. Come and let's possess a promised land like you've never seen before. But you're gonna to have to deal with your fear, you're gonna to have to deal with your pride, you're gonna have to deal with your selfishness, and you have to deal with your insecurity that keeps you locked in your little house or whatever you are in, and say, Let's move. You can keep some of that, but let's move. If you want life, Come with me. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Following Jesus into the promised land. The part we read out of John, and I'm finishing with this. The part we read out of John was how Jesus encountered people. And he came to them and he, you know, he didn't call them, I used to think, oh, he just walked up and he looked in their eyes like they do there and said, follow me. And there was this mystical moment. He'd been hanging around the vicinity for a long time. They knew who he was. But at that moment, under the Spirit of God, something moved that was different. Conviction and invitation. And I believe this morning the Lord is giving us that same thing. That same conviction and invitation of saying, it's not about have you followed me or not. It's about an attitude of heart that says, Jesus, I want to be part of possessing the land and I want you to possess me so that I have a testimony to teach and to share with others. Not about when I crossed the Jordan, but what God's doing today. Now, this is really, really simple and with this I'm finished. Do you want a testimony of Jesus working in your life that's current that's exciting then walk into it there are two testimonies always the one testimony when you deal with God is what I am and what I'm not in other words I fess up to my weakness or my struggle or my blindness And the other is how he met me there and what he did about it and where we are now. Now, how do you get to that level of transparency? It's very, very simple because you saw it in that movie. You open your mouth, you talk and you open your ears and you listen. You travel in company and you stop this nonsense about keeping private. (coughs) That's why we need to belong to small groups. That's why we need to talk. It's not about condemning. It's about refining and growing. And the easiest way to do that is to say, well, I'm struggling with this right now. Oh, okay. Well, I I, I found this helpful. Oh, okay. All you do is keep company and keep walking. It's really not very difficult. And God will release His Spirit and His power in you like you've never seen before. The giant that cripples most of us—you can name them if you ask him to. He'll show them to you right now if he hasn't shown them to you already. You know what they are. You're, you, you know, most of us are giants' pets. You know, they feed us kibble and bits, and sort of—they look after us. Okay, in insecurity—if you look after me, you know. I, you know what the story is. I wonder if we could get up and name our pet, our, our giants. Do we know what they are? So the best thing to do with a giant is to bring it to Jesus. And just go, Jesus, I just want to shackle this giant to the cross, please. And the giant roars. The giant needs you more than you need him. It's part of the demonic battle. So you need to know that giants make a lot of noise. But when you're with Jesus, they just make a lot of noise. That's all they do. Jesus is often very quiet. But he's very powerful. He doesn't have to impress the giant. So what you do when you're convicted of giants is you bring them to Jesus at the cross. And you say, Jesus, I just bring it to you. And you walk away, and as the people who walked out of Egypt discovered, well, you walk away and nothing feels different. So you go, the giant's coming with me. And so you have to learn. You have some practice laps, maybe, where... For a week or two you have to walk out of freedom, you have to walk into freedom and maybe for a month or two you have to walk into freedom, keep being reminded that you've asked Jesus to deal with that giant. Another thing that giants do, there are certainly a number of things and I'm just ad-libbing here, but another thing that's a way to kill giants, giants are like cockroaches, turn on the light, they run away. That's why talking to one another and exposing the giants to one another is very powerful. Because they live under pride. And so the beginning of being able to say, I'm struggling with this is one way of defeating them. And then you'll move into the promised land. So, let's pray. Let's ask God, let's be practical, let's not be spiritual. Let's have a giant sort of slaughter right now, shall we? Let's uh, bring to Jesus... Uh, the giants in our lives. He is not accusing us. He's not, a, he's not. This is not about beating us up. It's about setting us free. You can't be free if you don't know what you're bound to. Right? Right. So let's ask God, because this is what Jesus came to do. Let's ask him to help us bring the giants to him. And let's actually. Giants are also shackled to our will. That's why we need to make choices about what we're going to do with them. One of the voices of giants in our spirits is, What are you going to do without me? You have never known life without me. What are you going to do? You're going to be like a tortoise without a shell. You cannot do this. You will see and feel a battle inside you. That's good news. You want to be encouraged by that. You want to be encouraged by fear of what will happen but you want to place over the fear of what will happen the love of Jesus that says be strong and of good courage I will never leave you or forsake you. His invitation to us is do you want to be identified by the living God and his company Jesus in your life or do you want to be identified with a company of giants? And Jesus doesn't hang around giants. So Father, we just pray right now for your light, the light of the kingdom of heaven, to shine upon this place and to reveal in us, in our hearts, your children whom you love passionately. Will you identify for us the giants that are holding us back or in discouraging us and we just bring them name them and bring them to the cross we just say Jesus in your name I bring to you depression I bring to you despair I bring to you jealousy I bring to you fear I bring to you materialism I bring to you my insecurity I bring to you my fear of speaking I bring to you my fear of being with people I mean it goes on and on and on so you bring him whatever suits you and he doesn't condemn you, he just says, thank you for coming, because my strength in you is going to help you defeat this. And I love you, so don't get discouraged. Let's turn the light on, let's expose the giant, and let's go into the promised land a little further. Some of you will even be distracted, you'll be trying not to enter into this. That's another battle you need to be aware of. That's like a giant throwing a shiny object next to you to distract you so you don't deal with him or her. So, Jesus, we just speak now to those giants that are named. And in the name of Jesus, we come against the work of giants in our lives. And we come against the work of Satan in our lives and the work of evil that tries to keep us in slavery when you have set us free. And we ask you to forgive us where we have believed the lies of darkness. We have believed the lies of slavery. We have believed that though you have set us free, we are not free. And we confess that that our experience is more Egypt than it is promised land. But we want to change that. Because you have risen from the dead and you are Lord. And we want to walk into a new experience of you where we find victory. So we welcome that. We thank you for your blood shed on the cross for our sin, for our attitudes, for the things that possess us. And we just ask you to lead us step by step into the inheritance of what is to come. And we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to rest upon each of us. Receive the Holy Spirit. And I mean by that, just say, thank you, Jesus, that you give me strength by your Spirit to overcome what I've given you now. And that you're going to lead me into that step by step So receive the presence of Jesus. Receive the love of Jesus. Receive the encouragement of Jesus. Receive his presence. You are not alone. Do not be discouraged. Receive the hope that is in him for a future that is beyond your imagining. Let him embrace you and let him whisper to you that he loves and delights in you. And I'm not being sentimental. I'm speaking spiritual truth. He loves and delights in you. And he says, you have a place in the promised land. And I want you to be part of my group that goes. Because your presence matters to me. And even if you've given up on yourself, I haven't given up on you. I really want you to be with me. So will you come? And you can tell me about your fears and we can wrestle with these things as we go along. Don't be discouraged by that. Okay, let's stand. Let's get the cherry on the top, please. What's the cherry on the top? We're going to pray together now. Um, And I'm just actually trying to follow what I'm sensing. uh, This isn't rehearsed, so I'm I'm taking as many risks as you might be. How about asking God to to release the power of testimony among us? How about asking God to release in us in a way that actually is fun. It's not terrifying. It's not, um, oh my word, it's just going to pour out like I'm speaking about a book or the weather. Or do you know it's going to snow on Tuesday. It's going to be like that. And so Jesus needs to release friendship in us and love in us. And just ask him to do that. Give him permission. Say, Lord... I'd love to be able to speak about you freely and naturally. I'd love to be able to just boast about what you're doing in my life in a way that is salt to others or hope to others. So the only way you're going to be able to share Jesus is if you're going to be able to share your life. So the only way you're going to be able to share your life is going to be if you're going to be able to allow people to see your woundedness. Because the people who don't know Jesus are wounded. And they don't want theory, they don't want to know, oh God loves you, I'll pray for you. They want to know, have you ever been here? And if you're not willing to say yeah, then you've got nothing to say, because you're locked in pride. So you ask Jesus to release you into humility that releases Him into your mouth and your life and your heart, and out of your heart the Spirit flows. It's real simple stuff. Nobody needs your advice. They just want your heart and your life and your testimony. What's God doing? So Father, we pray for one another that you would release among us a transparency and a humility that shares our struggles as well as shares very easily the joys, the victories, the support, the encouragement you give us. Receive. Receive the promise of Jesus to work in your heart and life, to release you into a new adventure with him. God's making it very clear in this church that we don't have to ask for lots. In other words, we don't have to be very talkative about, please Lord, please Lord, please Lord. He's making very clear, he said, yes, yes, yes. So his issue with us is, I just want you to receive it and release it. Pretend you're fishing, he wants to catch you and release you. Catch and release is his gospel. Captivate people's hearts and release them into the world to be part of his army, salt and light. And the Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit energizes the stuff we know about. So we give him permission and that's what he does. So we're lingering here a bit. He says yes to you, to whatever you've brought before him. Do not be discouraged, do not be afraid. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So Lord, we thank you that you've slain some of the giants. You're going to do work with the giants in our lives. You're releasing us to expect you working in us and through us and out of us. We we're expecting you to bolden us with some words that we've never had before. You're going to give us opportunities we haven't had before and we're going to have to make a decision. are we going to speak or not? And we're going to say yes. And seeing we're on a roll, Lord, we're going to ask you for one other thing. And we're going to ask you that you deepen and expand our relationships with one another, that we would be far more open and transparent with one another, so that we can actually progress with you and with one another more quickly. So we speak against the fear that locks us into ourselves. We speak against those things that inhibit our relationships. And we pray freedom for one another, Lord. Whatever that looks like. So thank Jesus in your heart for what he will do, what he has done. Thank him for the vision he has for you, that he calls you by name. Maybe you've forgotten it. Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe you know it and he's just saying, well, let's keep moving. But I call you into life. I call you into the promised land. You are not a grasshopper. You are the giant. My child, you are the giant. We're going to do something different. I'm going to shrink the giants into dwarfs and I'm going to raise my people to be giants. So be a giant in the Spirit of God. As others say, one person and the Spirit of God is stronger than any other group. Rise up into your inheritance, your identity, as a child of the king. Rise up into your inheritance as a child of the King. Be expectant of good things. We bless you, Lord, and we praise you. And we pray that in the weeks ahead, you're going to give us testimonies that are going to thrill us of you. We want to boast of you, Jesus. And as we sing some songs now to just worship you, we pray that your spirit will work among us. If you, need, uh, if you, if you think you need somebody to pray over you, and we're also trying to, to work in this area of saying, we, we all need prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is just saying, Lord, I need your spirit to be released in me. If you need people to pray with you, uh, there will be people at the back, and, and you can go back any time during the singing of these songs, and we're going to just finish with... Uh, three songs of worship there'll be an offer tree in the middle somewhere there and uh, we just want to get allow the Lord to complete and continue to do what he wants to do he's very very clearly speaking to this church in a good way a loving way of saying I want responses and I want action I want to mobilize this team now alright so you're part of it welcome thank you let's worship him